Well, thank you very much and welcome. You are listening to The Jazz Focus, a jazz podcast dedicated to shedding some light into the cobwebby corners of jazz recorded history. My name is John Clark, and uh, if this is your first time here, hope you uh, enjoy the program and welcome. And if you're a, you're a veteran of The Jazz Focus, welcome back. We're going to be talking about a band today that was active in England in the late 1920s, from about 1928 to 1932, thereabouts, 27 to 32, I guess. Um, we're going to concentrate more on the first uh, three years, two or three years of their recorded history. This was a band that was known as the Rhythmic Eight, and they existed only on recordings. They uh, were a subset of the Burt Furman Orchestra. Burt Furman was a violinist who was a classical uh, player, uh, raised uh, and trained classically as a violinist. He was born, I think, about 1901. He lived uh, quite a long life uh, into the late 1990s. Uh, he led bands uh, from the middle 1920s. Uh, he decided uh, that dance bands were the way to go, as they were, and uh, he made a pretty good living from them. He had his own group uh, from the middle 1920s up until World War II. He uh, went into the service and uh, uh, led some service bands and entertainment units, and then when he got out of the service, he uh, tried to put another band together, but he ended up leaving and going to France and leading a band in Paris for a little while that included Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli. Uh, after that, he retired in the 1950s and went into a, an entirely different business. But during the 1920s and through the 30s, he had one of the top dance bands in England, and he was assisted by his brother, John Furman, who played piano. And uh, they had uh, a roster of the finest uh, British jazz musicians. Now, British dance bands in the late 20s and 30s were a pretty fluid uh, situation. You find the same names of musicians cropping up in all kinds of different They move from one to another pretty, pretty rapidly, um, but always a very fine group. And in addition to his uh, regular gig at the Devonshire uh, Restaurant in London, I believe it was in London, uh, Furman also directed the... Um, activities of Xonophone Records. And Xonophone Records was the cheap label of Gramophone, which was the major label in England at the time. And uh, Xonophone uh, focused primarily, or at least uh, during this period, in recording dance bands. And Bert Furman's band, certainly, but he also, as I said, directed this series of recordings by the Rhythmic Eight. And Bert Furman appears on the first oh, year or so, year and a half, uh, playing violin and directing it. After that, he sort of withdrew from this particular project, and John Furman took over and uh, started running uh, the sessions and created some more interesting jazz uh, performances as well. So we're going to start, uh, we're actually going to listen to quite a few of these. They recorded uh, hundreds of tunes. I think the uh, Rhythmic Eight recorded something like 150 sides in its five-year existence. The Burt Furman Orchestra recorded something like 400. So these were bands that were constantly in the recording studio, and the market for dance band records, with or without jazz, uh, were very, very uh, was very, very good in England up until the World War II years, even with the Depression. So we're going to start with uh, a couple of tunes that are familiar from American recordings. Uh, the first one is a tune by the pianist Phil Wall, and it's called Corn Fed. This was also co-composed by the trumpet player Bob Efros, who was a pretty ubiquitous presence on dance band records in America at the time. This and uh, its session mate, which we're also going to hear, was called I Left My Sugar Standing in the Rain and My Sweetie Melted Away. And this was composed by uh, Sammy Fain and Irving Cajal, who were both uh, well-known Tin Pan Alley songwriters at the time as well. And these came from November 29th, uh, of 1927. Actually, Corn Fed did, and then um, I Left My Sugar was, in fact, December 21st of 1927. Now, the band that was on this uh, recording was just slightly bigger than um, some of the later Rhythmic Eights. This was actually nine, I think. One, two, three, four. It depends if you count the vocalist or not, I suppose. There were two trumpet players. Max Goldberg, who was one of the um, busiest British trumpet players, dance band, jazz band players. He made a lot of recordings with Ray Noble and his new Mayfair Orchestra. We had a podcast of them a little earlier. And an American named Frank Guarenti, who uh, was born in Italy in 1893. He actually uh, moved to New Orleans in 1914 and played in a lot of New Orleans groups and may have studied informally with King Oliver. In the 1920s, he was in New York. He was playing with the Paul Specht Orchestra, led a small group uh, out of the Specht band called the Virginians, and uh, 
about 1927 or so, ended up in England playing with the Savoy or fans. And most of, the, most of these American musicians, and we're going to hear from several of them, uh, ended up playing with the Savoy or fans, which was a quite popular group, very jazz-oriented, and then transitioned over to the Burt Furman Band after a while. I don't think Frank Guarenti did. He was only in England for about a year before returning back to the United States. So, the two of them played trumpets. There was never a trombone player in this group. Instead of that, they used three reeds, usually, and the three reed players on this uh, date, and for the next couple coming up, were, a man, were men named Pearly Breed. Pearly Breed was an American. He was born in Boston um, in 1902, and uh, when he died, we don't know. They, he sort of disappeared after he uh, went to England and then came back to the United States. He had a very um, popular jazz dance band in Boston uh, in the 1920s. They did radio work. Uh, they recorded under the name of the Shepherd Colonial Orchestra, and uh, with Pearly Breed in that band was Brad Gowans, who was better known uh, as a valve trombone player, but he actually played cornet and clarinet on those recordings. Pearly Breed will be heard playing a lot of solos on baritone sax and some on alto as well on these rhythmic eight sides. He was in England uh, from, again, 27 to 28. I believe he played with the Savoyer fans and with the Furman Band as well. Arthur Lally plays clarinet and alto sax and baritone sax. In fact, after Pearly Breed left, Lally took over playing the featured baritone sax parts. He was a, an English um, uh, saxophone player who was responsible for organizing these sessions musically. Most of what we're going to hear, most of the tunes were taken from publishers' stock arrangements, things that were uh, published and uh, used as um, publicity arms for the uh, publishing houses in New York, and these were orchestrations of tunes that they were trying to push. And somehow these English bands ended up with them, and uh, Arthur Lally adapted a lot of them. He used to call it doctoring the stocks, and he changed introductions, added solos, things like like that, and he was very effective and very highly thought of in the business. He uh, uh, again played with Bert Furman, 1927, and then into the 1930s as well. Uh, he had an unhappy ending, unfortunately. He uh, committed suicide in 1940. He had a mental uh, breakdown, I believe, and. Uh, Part of uh, the stress of World War II led to that. But his recordings in the 20s and 30s are really quite impressive. Then on tenor sax, we have someone, uh, a British fellow named Bill Barton. Uh, a little bit later on, we're going to have a different tenor player named Johnny Helfer. And uh, that's a, he's a little more common. Bert Furman himself plays violin. John Furman on piano, occasionally Celesta. Another Bostonian, Joe Brunelli, is uh, a guitar player. He was uh, raised in the Boston area and played locally uh, there before moving to England in 1923. And uh, he played with Bert Ambrose's band for quite a few years. In fact, he was Ambrose's right-hand man. But he made most of these dates uh, with the Rhythmic Eight. In fact, I think he made them all. He was a, a regular in the studios at the time. We have Billy Bell on tuba, uh, another British musician, and Eddie Collins on this first session. He's the drummer and takes uh, a vocal, too. So, without further ado, let's start with these first two sides, and then I'm going to go on and play a couple of other ones for you. I'll tell you about those when we come back. So we're going to hear Corn Fed, followed by I Left My Sugar Standing in the Rain. <laughs>
standing in the rain and my sugar melted away sweeter than the sugar from the sugar cane didn't mean to treat her that way i guess my sweetie thought i was a low down kind didn't realize that she was so refined oh i left my sugar standing in the rain and my sugar melted away
So that was the Rhythmic Eight, uh, Bert Furman uh, recording band, who was recording uh, those sides in 1927 and 28. We started with Corn Fed, and then I left my sugar standing in the rain. And that had a particularly nice opening with just clarinet and guitar. The guitar was Joe Branelli, uh, we talked about. Not sure who the clarinet player was on that one. It could have been Arthur Lally, I suppose, because Pearly Breed came on a little bit later and played an alto and a baritone sax solo. So, who knows? The trumpet solo on that was by Frank Guarenti. Uh, he also played the first trumpet solo on Corn Fed. Uh, the British trumpet player I mentioned, Max Goldberg, played the second one. And then Breed was on baritone sax as well. There's also, I think, a tenor sax solo in there by Billy Barton. Then we went on to two other tunes uh, from about a year later or so, or the next year I should say. We had Faces at the Window, May 24th of 1928, and uh, that was a tune that was composed, I don't I imagine it was a British songwriting team, I don't know much about them, don't know anything about them, Dyron Forth and Belmont, and uh, that had uh, some very nice playing uh, by tenor sax and trumpet. The tenor sax in this case was uh, Johnny Helfer, who had replaced Billy Barton at that point. We had Joe Brunelli playing some guitar, and in this case, the trumpet soloist was another American, Sylvester Ahola from... Gloucester, Massachusetts, known as the Gloucester Gabriel. He had uh, been recording in the Boston area since so, the middle 1920s. I think 1924 he made his first recording. Made his way to New York and was playing with um, some high-powered company uh, in, the, in the late 20s. He was, was playing, anyway, with uh, Frankie Trumbauer and Big Spiderbeck, Adrian Rolini, uh, before he left to go to England in 1927. Again, he, I believe, was with the Savoy fans um, and uh, stayed until 1931, actually, playing with a succession of British bands. He actually was sort of a lightning rod uh, for uh, a dispute, a labor dispute in England. There was a thing that happened in 1930, the Jack Hilton Band, one of the best of the British bands, wanted to tour the United States and had a tour lined up, and the American Musicians Union refused uh, to allow them in to let them play, and the British Union retaliated by essentially cutting off most of the American musicians who were there, not allowing them to make records. They could still play uh, uh, live dates, but not make recordings, and that was a a rule that was observed in the breach more than any, as we'll hear several American musicians who continued to record after that, but Sylvester Ahola was somehow singled out, uh, and he was not allowed to record anymore. So in 1931, he returned to the United States. He played with a series of bands in the 1930s and into the 40s. He returned to Gloucester, Massachusetts, and he lived out most of the rest of his life there uh, as a music teacher and playing in bands in that area. He has a very effective Bix Beiderbecke type of style, but not uh, not a copyist. He was a, he was a very interesting player, and we heard a little bit of his solo ability on Faces at the Window. We heard a little bit more on the next tune, which was called Way Back When, uh, tuned by um, Carson Robeson, I believe, and uh, that features a hola along with Pearly Breed again on alto, and then. Someone else on clarinet, probably in this case Johnny Helfer, I guess. Um, slightly different band, but not too different. We had Maurice Elwin uh, on vocals, uh, and then Ray Starita on drums, and he stays on drums for most of the rest of the career of this band. Ray and Al Starita. Al was a saxophone player, and Ray, his brother, was an excellent percussionist. He plays drums, and a little bit later we'll hear him on xylophone as well. So we're going to move ahead uh, to 1928. As I said, that was from May and June of 1928. We have one more June 1928 cut, and June of 11, 11th, 1928. And the popular song, Mississippi Mud, had been recorded by the Frank Trumbauer Orchestra and Paul Whiteman as well. And uh, here we'll have the, uh, the Rhythmic Eight uh, treatment. Similar band. Again, Ahola. Barney Sorkin this time plays alto and clarinet. Um, I believe at this point, uh, Pearly Breed had already left or he was on the way back uh, to America, so he didn't record anymore, which is a pity because he was a very fine player. Uh, and pity we don't know what happened to him. I, I don't have any information uh, after the early 30s about Pearly Breed, unfortunately. So following Mississippi Mud, we're going to play a series of stock arrangements that, again, Arthur Lally adapted for use of the Rhythmic Eight. We're going to hear, Because My Baby Don't Mean Maybe Now, You're In My Heart, That's Her Now, and Umcha Umcha Cha Cha, or Umcha Umcha Da Da. Don't want to make a mistake on that title. So those are the five tunes we're going to hear in this set, and I'll tell you more about the personnel when we get back. <laughs> 
da-da-da, mm-cha, mm-cha, da-da-da. It's easy to learn and it's easy to sing. Just hum the tune to any old thing. Mm-cha, mm-cha, da-da-da, mm-cha, mm-cha, da-da-da. My man, pa, go da-da-da, sister Sue's goes doodle-doo-doo. Next it modulates to another key, doodle-la-da-da-da. Then there comes a change in the melody, doodle-la-da-da-da-da-da. da 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 You must admit this vampire's got it. Just go do 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 do. obviously quite a bit of interest in hot jazz in England in that time period, 1927, 28, 29. Uh, these were very fine recordings, and they certainly bear comparison with some of the things that were being done in America at the same time, especially by some of the white groups led by people like Adrian Rolini and Bix and uh, Frank Trumbauer. Adrian Rolini, it uh, should be mentioned, spent some time in England as well with the Fred Elizaldi Orchestra in 1926 and 27. The British really uh, valued the contribution of American musicians in this style and brought them over regularly to spice up their bands and also to bring a little direction to some of the hot jazz playing as well. So we started out with the Harry Barris tune called Mississippi Mud, which we know from the Whiteman and the, uh, the Frank Trumbauer recordings, and we heard a wonderful Sylvester Ahula solo, and this time we heard Barney Sorkin on alto and clarinet. He had replaced... Uh, um, Pearly Breed at that point, I believe. Then, after that, we moved to, uh, let's see, October of 1928, and Because My Baby Don't Mean Maybe Now. This was taken directly from a stock arrangement by Frank Skinner, and uh, basically it was it was done uh, almost exactly as the stock uh, was, with the uh, exception of a very fine baritone sax solo by, uh, in this case, Arthur Lally, who probably did the arrangement. He and Johnny Helfer, the tenor sax player, also provided the background vocals to Maurice Elwin, who sang the melody. Helfer is also heard on clarinet and tenor sax here, and again, Sylvester Ahola. Basically the same band. Jack Miranda is playing second uh, alto and clarinet on here, along with Arthur Lally and Johnny Helfer. Bert Reed is now playing piano because John Furman is leading the band. He has taken over from his brother Bert. Bert is no longer sawing away on the violin, and John uh, gave up his piano seat so he could direct. So Bert uh, Reed plays piano. Again, Joe Brunelli on banjo and guitar, Billy Bell on bass, uh, tuba actually, and Rudy Starita on drums and vibraphone and xylophone. Um, moving on, we heard a song called You're In My Heart. And uh, this is a tune by Horatio Nichols, of whom I know next to nothing, uh, except that it provided a very fine vehicle, again, for Ahola and Arthur Lally on baritone sax and alto. That was from December 5th of 1928. The next tune is called That's Her Now, and that's by the American composer Milton Ager. Um, 
slight personnel change here. Uh, Sylvester Hula was apparently not available for that recording date, so he was subbed uh, for by, we think, Norman Payne, who was one of the best of the British jazz musicians. He and his brother Laurie Payne were... Um, regulars in, in, in several different British dance bands. Laurie Payne especially was featured uh, on a lot of the Ray Noble uh, New Mayfair Orchestra recordings. Again, we had a podcast a while back of that. Norman Payne uh, played cornet and very much in the style of Bix Beiderbeck. And he's on some of the early New Mayfair recordings, but he moved on to do some other dance band work after that. And he possibly is featured on that number playing cornet. That's her now, along with Arthur Lally again. Then we uh, finished up that set with the title that I knew I was going to massacre and did. It's called Umcha Umcha Da Da Da, and that's by the British songwriting team of Jack Hart and Tom Blight. And a uh, fun little tune, which features Ahola back in the saddle again, Arthur Lally, and the vocal by Maurice Elwin. So we're going to do one more set of the Rhythmic Eight. This is just really very cleanly produced music, very... Um, properly played, uh, but not dry, not boring. These are, are good arrangements that were made better with the inclusion of some jazz solos. Clearly all of these musicians were uh, amenable to, to jazz. Um, this is what they were doing with this hot jazz in England at this time. And we're going to hear a couple of very hot tunes. We're going to hear Digga Digga Doo, which was by Dorothy Fields and Jimmy McHugh, written for one of the Blackbird shows in the 1920s, uh, recorded by Duke Ellington around the same time. But this is from uh, June 11th of 1929, and we're going to hear um, uh, some uh, of the fine groups that we've heard before. I should mention, by the way, that Umcha Umcha Da Da Da, I forgot to say, has a xylophone solo. And after I said that uh, Rudy Starita was the drummer on almost all of these recording sessions going forward, on that one he's not. He was subbed for by Harry Robbins, who did drums and xylophone. But Rudy Starita is back for Digga Digga Doo, and uh, many of the others coming up after that. So I'll tell you the tunes you're going to hear, and then we'll talk more about them at the end. So Digga Digga Doo, Kansas City Kitty follows that. I've got a feeling I'm falling. Taint no sin to take off your skin and shoo the hoodoo away.
With that, we have the Rhythmic Eight. So, we just listened to Digga Digga Doo, the Dorothy Fields and Jimmy McHugh tune. That was done in June of 1929. Featured some fine solos, again, by Sylvester Ahola on trumpet, Arthur Lally on alto sax, Johnny Helfer on tenor sax, and Rudy Starita on xylophone. We then went to a, 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 an old uh, sort of barroom ballad, uh, up-tempo barroom ballad, called Kansas City Kitty. And uh, that was done uh, by the same group with one significant addition. Uh, in this case, he replaced Arthur Lally, although Lally will be back soon. Uh, the addition here was by Danny Polo, the great uh, clarinet player from the United States. And that, as I said, Kansas City Kitty, which was a Walter Donaldson tune. He gets a bit of a solo on that. Um, also, uh, Jack Jackson, who was a British trumpet player, replaced Sylvester Ahola there as well. It was... A lot of personnel moving in and out. But Danny Polo played with uh, this group for quite a while and also with the Burt Furman bands. He also played with Burt Ambrose's band from 1930 to 1935. So he spent about eight years over in England. He played with the Furman band, Lud Gluskin's band. He toured um, the European continent. Uh, this was after he had made a name for himself in America. He had played with Gene Goldkett's band. He's actually the clarinet soloist on the famous recording of um, My Pretty Girl uh, that uh, people said Jimmy Dorsey was the clarinet player. It was not. It was Danny Polo. He lived from 1901 to 1949. After he came back to the United States, he um, made a lot of recordings with different jazz groups. We heard uh, on our podcast uh, of Chicago jazz done by uh, George Avakian for the DECA label. We heard the George Wetling band, George Wetling Chicagoans, I think they were, and that featured Danny Polo on clarinet. He ended up uh, passing away while he was a member of the Claude Thornhill band. He had left New York to tour with them, uh, and this was shortly after he had been in on some of the innovative sessions that were being conducted by uh, Gil Evans and Miles Davis that later led to the birth of the cool. And if Danny Polo had stayed alive and stayed around, there might have been uh, a Miles Davis uh, dectet rather than nonet with Danny Polo on clarinet. Who knows? So after we did Kansas City Kitty, we went on to I've Got a Feeling I'm Falling. And uh, this, of course, was a Fats Waller tune that, in this case, featured, again, Sylvester Ahola. So this is our, our Rhythmic Eight, this time from uh, November of 1929. Sylvester Ahola on trumpet, just one trumpet there. Danny Polo on clarinet and alto sax. You heard him on alto there, possibly on clarinet as well. Arthur Lally on clarinet and alto. Johnny Helfer on tenor. Burt Reed on piano. Joe Branelli on guitar. Billy Bell on tuba. Max Bacon, in this case, on the drums, and then Maurice Elwin again singing. Then we jumped up to a, uh, a fun tune that uh, had a, a bit of a life in the United States. Walter Donaldson and I think Nat Leslie uh, composed this tune, which was called Taint No Sin to Take Off Your Skin and Dance Around in Your Bones, again featuring uh, Maurice Elwin, Sylvester Ahola, and Danny Polo. Then we finished up with Shoo the Hoodoo Away, and this is uh, the first tune, or one of the first tunes that was recorded after uh, Ahola was sort of barred from uh, uh, recording with the British bands because of that labor dispute. Max Goldberg is back playing trumpet on that. We heard some xylophone by Rudy Starita. Uh, for whatever reason, Joe Bernelli is still recording with this band, uh, and of course he was from Boston as well. Those were done, in, that was done in August of 1930, and that particular arrangement was done by Art. Archie Blyer, who was one of the great stock arrangers of the 19, late 1920s and early 30s, before he went on to lead radio bands and uh, become Arthur Godfrey's music director and later founding um, Cadence Records, which uh, put out a whole lot of interesting uh, recordings as well. So hope you've enjoyed our program of the Rhythmic Eight. Uh, this is a not terribly well-known British band, but heaven knows they should be. They made a lot of recordings and very high quality playing and solos and some interesting American musicians and also some very interesting British musicians as well. So my name is John Clark. This is the Jazz Focus, a jazz podcast. Hope you're into our shows. Hope you enjoyed this one. Lots more to come. Uh, if you're interested in being a sponsor, please hit the little sponsorship button and uh, take a listen to that. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, 
Check out my band's webpage, WolverineJazzBand.com. Also on Facebook and Instagram, Wolverine Jazz Band. And uh, send me a note and tell me if you'd like any certain programs. So, thank you again, and I'll see you on the other side.